Good morning. Today is Thursday, October 13th, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word, the program where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures through which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Thank you for listening and gathering around God's Word with us this morning. Over the air, online, or on a podcast, I'm just glad to have you here. Settle in, open your hearts and your minds. We're about to begin. Thy Strong Word is underwritten by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. See how they can help you in your outreach and how you can support them by visiting lhfmissions.org. I also invite you to email me at pastorboo at gmail.com with your questions and comments. Every Friday, I begin the show by pulling from the old listener email bag, so be sure to tune in for that. That email address again is pastorboo, P-A-S-T-O-R-B-O-O-E at gmail.com. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have come to the very last chapter of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, and it has been a great study as we've stepped back in time to Corinth, Greece in 55 AD. We've looked through the world in the eyes of those early Christians. The Corinthian church was filled with problems and faced a society that was hostile to their faith, not unlike the church today. We are thankful that God inspired St. Paul to write this letter because it demonstrates his love for the Corinthians, but also for us. Because we can learn from this epistle as what to avoid as we strive to put our faith in action. Well, chapter 16 is a mix of different topics. An appeal for financial aid to the saints in Jerusalem, Paul's wishes to travel and spend some time there, one last word of instruction, and some final personal greetings. Today, we'll take up each one by one and see what we can learn. To help us finish up this important letter is my guest, the Reverend Joshua Heimbuck, pastor of Grace Lutheran Church in Ashland, Oregon. Pastor Heimbuck, good morning and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Morning. It's great to be here. Well, I am so happy to have you on the show. I know that last time you were on, you were on with President Fennern, who now has a Saturday show. For those of you who are interested, he is the new host of Concord Matters. So be sure to check him out on Saturdays. But as it is, you're stuck with me. I'm still happy to have you. You are out in Ashland, Oregon. Tell me a little bit about what God is doing through your ministry there. Yeah, so some great things are happening here in Ashland. We're actually really close to Southern Oregon University and uh, recently had um, kind of a meet and greet uh, event there and met some students. And so hoping to do some ministry with the students there. Um, we also have a couple of scholarships for students that like to sing, be involved in music. And so I'm um, so excited about that. Um, great music ministry we have here at Grace. And uh, yeah, just worshiping and uh, this Saturday hosting our LWML event. And so exciting things certainly happening here in, in the fall and ministering to God's people, certainly in, in Ashland. And so it's certainly been a blessing to be here. Well, that's great. Tell me a little bit about Ashland. I know before we went on the air, we talked just a bit, but for those of our listeners who are at home and they've never been to the West Coast, they might be interested to learn a little bit about what it's like there in Oregon. Yeah, so Ashland is about 15 miles north of the California border, so it's considered Southern Oregon. We're in what's called the Rogue Valley, uh, so the Rogue River kind of flows through there. 
and just a beautiful community nestled in the mountains, um, close to many different uh, outdoor events. I mean, if you like to hike or bike, um, great place to do that, um, but also about two and a half hours from the coast. So yeah, if you like outdoor events, it's a great place to be, but just beautiful place and just really, really loving it here. Well, I've seen some pictures of it online and it does, it just looks amazing. In fact, it reminds me, well, except for your proximity to the coast, it reminds me a lot of my home in Western North Carolina, just with these beautiful mountains. And uh, the, when, when fall hits, the fall colors on the trees, I'm sure you guys have that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be beautiful. I'm really looking forward to it. So it's our first fall here. And so we've had the other seasons and, and they've all certainly been beautiful in their own way. But definitely, definitely started to see a little bit of color here and there. And so exciting to be here in the fall, cool weather and just a beautiful place. Well, that's wonderful. And I know God's going to do great work through you and through your uh, congregation there. Hey, before we head into this text, I think it might be a good idea to begin with some prayer, and I invite you to start us off. Sounds good. Actually, going to use Luther's prayer to receive the word today. So let us pray. Eternal God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, grant us your Holy Spirit, who writes the preached word into our hearts, so that we may receive and believe it, and be gladdened and comforted by it in eternity. Glorify your word in our hearts. Make it so bright and warm that we may find pleasure in it. And through your inspiration, think what is right. And by your power, fulfill the word for the sake of Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord. Amen. Well, as I said at the top of the show, this text is divided pretty definitively in four different sections. So the way I'd like to do it is just start off by uh, reading each section and us digging into it. But before I do that, is there any information you kind of want to catch us up with? Tell us where Paul has been. Uh, how have we gotten here? I know we're at the very end of the letter, so a lot of his arguments have now been concluded. But uh, is there anything you want to maybe set the stage for us with? Um, definitely as I look at this, and particularly maybe the previous verses, I would say, uh, like verse 58 of chapter 15, he kind of, he ends that chapter with, he says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and mobile, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, uh, your labor is not in vain. And I think that sets the stage, at least for this section and this whole thing with the collection for the saints. And he really goes into this whole idea of basically what is the work of the Lord and, and, and abounding certainly in love and being steadfast and movable. And so I think that definitely sets the stage. Um, and as you mentioned too, I think he's covered a lot of, uh, the conflicts that have <laughs> taken place in first Corinthians, certainly a, a lot of that and certainly controversy, but, and then he's just, I think, addressing this, this final, uh, issue, which is, uh, the needs of the saints, um, particularly in Jerusalem. Yeah, it's taken us several days, but we made our way through chapter 15, where he focused on the resurrection, a lot of just heavy gospel information towards the end of this letter. And it's so important because, well, he had been, and rightfully so, very heavy-handed in his correction of the Corinthians. <laughs> and now here he is concluding his letter. And uh, I love that. Yeah, that's very, sh that's right. 58, be steadfast and movable, always abounding and the work of the Lord, because ultimately that's what it's about. Not just 
him hollering at them for not doing things perfectly, but rather his desire and love for them as a congregation that he planted for them to abound in the Lord, to grow in their faith. And yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I'll tell you what, let's just get started. I'm going to read chapter 16, the first four verses. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Now concerning the collection for the saints. As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. When I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. All right, four short verses. Seems like he's uh, uh, responding to something they had asked about and something we know that Paul was passionate about. Uh, Help us understand that. What's going on? Yeah, so there was a famine, essentially, in in Jerusalem. And so I think this is this request that he's he's wanting them to address and and to provide um, for the needs of the saints there. And I think that's, that's the context of it. And so he's asking them again about this collection for, um, the saints, the beloved, um, as, as he directed to the churches also in Galatia, um, and he's also directing this to them as well. And, um, in verse two, he says on the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside, um, something and store it up as he may prosper. And. A couple things here, at least that I noticed, was uh, the word Sabbath is is used here in this in this text or in the Greek, um, and but it actually is referencing it in as the first day of every week, and so that I think there's this recognition then that the worship commu- community is worshiping on Sunday um, versus sort of the Old Testament um, Sabbath um, that was celebrated. So. And again, with in conjunction with uh, the resurrection, Jesus being, of course, resurrected on the first day of the week. And so, um, and basically at that point, or that first day of the week in their worship, setting aside a collection of money as they are able, or as he may prosper, as it mentions, and so that there will be no collecting when I come. And so it seems kind of practical in some ways and uh, get these things, you know, ready. Um, because I'm coming here so that this will be ready when I arrive. And then I will send those whom you credit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And, and so he'll be sending a letter along with those who will be going to Jerusalem to deliver uh, this gift uh, to the saints. And so definitely some practical uh, things here. So collection of money um, that will be taken uh, according to one, you know, on the Sabbath, the first day of the week. Um, and then also, let's see, I think. Yeah. And so I think it seems, seems pretty straightforward and, but it, it is again, calling them to be steadfast in, in their care of the saints and to provide uh, what is needed at a time of need. I like how you brought up that this is on the first day of the week. We've become so accustomed to meeting and gathering on the first day of the week. Yeah. It, it might've escaped our attention as we read this, that yeah, they are meeting on the first day of the week. And we know why, because Christ rose from the grave that on that first Easter morning. But yeah, so, you know, I, there's some references here in the Bible and they send us a couple of places. But the one place that they send us in reference to this first day of the week, this is just the ESV editors. 
but they connect it to Acts 20, verse 7, which is Eutychus. And, you know, it's just connecting it to Eutychus really only because of the words on the first day of the week. Yes. But I think it's amusing how on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. For those of you who don't know the story of Eutychus, Paul talked so long that Eutychus fell asleep, fell out of the window, out of the and window. died. Yes. <laughs> so I, 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 surely, editors of ESV, there were some other references that you could have connected to the first day of the week. I think it's amusing that it's that one. But yes. you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> These Christians were meeting on the first day of the week. And that's absolutely evidence that they were meeting on Sunday to celebrate Christ's uh, resurrection. Yeah. And and people ask that even today. We even have some groups who uh, are Christian, uh, heterodox, but still, and we have some that aren't Christian, that call themselves Christian, that insist that, you know, Sabbath worship in terms of resting on the Saturday, the last day of the mm. week, is yeah. the only proper way to do it. And while <laughs> right. we would say there's no... Uh, improper way, except that you should gather with saints when you are available. The Christian tradition is on Sunday, so I'm glad you brought that out. That that's something I wouldn't have thought to bring out from this text. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important that they're you know they're gathering. I think around God's word and and uh, celebrating the sacrament and, and worship, and and as part of that, then it's offering you know their gifts um, for the benefit of the saints who are in need. So. Paul speaks very little about his collection for the saints in Jerusalem, at least in this letter. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he goes into, in chapter 9 a little bit, he goes into great detail about what it means to give and how you should give. And he's giving them some instructions, the instruction that when they gather, they should put a little something aside. Yes. But then he says here, he doesn't give them an amount, right? He says, as he may prosper. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, in 2 Corinthians 8, he specifically says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. Mm. That gives us a little insight into what he means by, as he may prosper. So Paul is encouraging the giving and helping of Christians, but, you know, and maybe he's saying give a little bit till it hurts, but not in the sense that one should burden themselves, only that we should support one another. Yes, and this yes. is an interesting ask, Pastor, at the end of such a letter that has been filled with apostolic redirection, <laughs> and he, he, he gives them this, I guess, opportunity to show and demonstrate their faith for other Christians, because one of the problems within the Corinthian church was their self-centeredness. So I think oh, it's yeah. fascinating that in his greetings, he gives them this opportunity. Yes, exactly. Uh, something else I noted here was that he's basically telling them to set aside a portion of their income. It, it's not like a specific, like a tithe or 10% amount. And that was kind of something I read in kind of one of the commentaries, but, and so it's just this portion, not, well, not the entire amount either, but yet, you know, what they could give, what they are able to, um, to give or to get along essentially well or prosper or succeed, I guess is kind of the idea there. but. Um, so I thought that that was kind of another interesting point. It's not necessarily this required, um, like in the Old Testament, the ten percent or the tithe. It's just you know, what people are able to give um, in their generosity and in helping the saints. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, Pastor, but whenever I visit, say, a shut-in, and they say, "Oh, here, take this money back to the church with you," <laughs> I never really <laughs> feel super comfortable doing that. <laughs> 
No, I don't um, either. <laughs> and and I sometimes I share this with them, especially if they've got the sense that I'm not comfortable. And I, I tell them the truth. I say, well, you know, in this day and age, there are people out there who think that the churches are just here to fleece older people or to fleece people out of their mm. money. And yeah, you know, if you yes. have unbelieving children or unbelieving neighbors and they yeah. think, oh, he's just there. So my point is, you know, that un- being uncomfortable with doing that comes from both the world's desire to attack us, but also uh, our desire to be above reproach. Well, right. it seems here, even in these first four verses, Paul teaches us something a little bit about that too. Because yeah. he said yeah. he talks about, I will send those whom you accredit by letter. Uh, yes, I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll yeah. give some apostolic approval that they'll carry your gift. And yes. then verse four says, well, if you really want me to go, or if I have to go, or if you think I should go, mm-hmm. they're going to accompany me. Isn't that yeah. kind of interesting, Pastor? I think that is interesting. And I think that, yeah, I think it's a really good point. And I, I do feel the same way. I'm, I'm not very comfortable with <laughs> carrying back, I mean, somebody's donation. I mean, if I need to do that, but, right. you know, I would, well, I guess, for example, um, if you know, like the all the offering is up on the altar on Sunday, yeah, I feel more comfortable if you know one of the ushers or you know one of our uh, lay ministers or somebody else you know comes up and takes care of that rather than me. And it's just, yeah, and I think, and maybe I think that's maybe what Paul is getting at here, like you said, and having somebody else do this, then that makes sense. Well, anything else you think that we can, you know, get out of this passage? I think it's quite a bit out of four little verses, but <laughs> yeah. any, anything else we can uh, torture this passage for to, to get it to confess? I I don't think so. I mean, I mean, looking at this, Phil, is kind of these verse, last few verses, it's like, okay. At first, it's like, seems kind of like practical things. And it's like, okay, how much can I really get out of this? And then... Right. You know, but then you start to dig into a little bit like, okay, there's actually some little details here that didn't even really realize. So, but yeah, I I think, I think we covered it pretty well. I think this is going to be a a horrible misquote, but I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that the Bible was shallow enough for a child to wade in, but deep enough where an adult would never reach the bottom. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like something he'd say. All right, well, I'm going to read the next set of verses. This is verses 5 through 11, and this is regarding his plans to visit them. Okay. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. Now, I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way, in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him, with the brothers. Another fairly simple at the end of the letter, almost an afterthought. Hey, I'm going to come visit you. Here's some information. Yeah, but still, yeah. I think deep with, with some insight into the fact that this is, you know, real stuff, real people in real time in history. We hear about Timothy. Here's some real places on the map. And right, right. Uh, I just, it's fascinating. Uh, yeah. Start us off. 
so there's kind of a sense that he is uh, continuously traveling or kind of, I am traveling or kind of this future connotation. So I plan to travel through Macedonia. Um, and so, yeah, so he's, he's traveling. Um, and so early can be an early misunderstanding of this nature of this present tense. So, but it is, yeah, this idea I'm traveling. So I'm traveling through Macedonia. So, I mean, there's, these are particular places that he's, um, he plans to tend to pass through Macedonia. Um, perhaps, you know, he's, he's, well, maybe I'll stay with you and spend the winter, um, so that you may help me on my journey or wherever I go. Um, because during winter, it was certainly difficult, uh, to travel various places, or at least if you were traveling by ship and, um, things could be, <laughs> <laughs> pretty dicey so um yeah so there's again there's some practical things here um taking into account uh the time of year and kind of when he's um traveling and that he he may need to stop in um uh, you know we certainly do that so just in passing but again he's but he's he's expressing here though i hope to spend some time with you and it, you know so there's kind of this this I think intimacy, you know, that's certainly there, you know, if the Lord permits, you know, I, I think he, he really wants to, um, be able to stop, uh, spend some time with the saints and, and, uh, and just to see, you know, how everyone's doing. And, and I think we could all certainly relate to that. Um, so he hopes to spend some time, um, but I will stay, he says an emphasis until Pentecost, um, which is kind of the, towards September, I think harvest time. Um, for a wide door for effective work as open. So it's kind of interesting that there evidently is some uh, work that's, that's come up. Um, a door is open, I guess you could say, um, for ministry there. And so he's you know, hoping that he can um, take advantage, I think, of that. Uh, but then he also mentioned that there are many adversaries. And, and, and I think this is evident, too. I mean, in First Corinthians, I mean, we have... <laughs> All kinds of issues and certainly adversaries that are that come up i mean in this text i mean whether we're uh talking about the gentiles or the jews and circumcision and um gentiles with with idol worship and 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 offering uh or eating food um that's been uh given to idols um and sacrificed to idols and so uh so there's a number of issues and then the lord suffer and celebrating that and, and <laughs> Some problems. So I think there's definitely many adversaries and many problems. Um, I think he's addressed a lot of those things, but, but he definitely sees that there's an opening here, um, for ministry. But again, there are certainly adversaries and certainly wherever the gospel is preached, um, this is the case. And, and then I think there's kind of a little interesting little note here about Timothy. When he comes, see that you put him at ease among you for he's doing the work of the Lord as I am. And, um, Timothy is the, the younger pastor. Um, and so, you know, maybe not as experienced. And so I think it's just make sure you, you know, make him feel welcome. Um, he's doing the work of the Lord as I am, you know, I, I vouch for him in a sense. And so he's, he's doing, uh, what he needs to do. So support him, uh, let no one despise, him. help him on his way in peace that he may return to me for I'm expecting him um with the brothers and so um you know it it just seems to me it's like a a letter maybe even you know any of us would maybe write um to somebody or even to the church and just some some uh 
common concerns and things and things that he's trying to address um, with them and kind of letting them know kind of where he is and what's happening and when he'll be there and if he'll. So at least that's what I see in this text. Yeah. Well, you're, you're right to bring up Timothy because Timothy is the younger of what we consider the two pastors that we know a lot about. That's Timothy yeah. and Titus. Yes. Uh, and Timothy's probably in his 20s, some commentators have said. Yeah. And we yeah. get the impression, or at least I've always gotten the impression, that Timothy is like a shy, kind of not sure of himself pastor. Yeah. And yeah. I'm thinking of First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verses 21 through 23. Um, actually, 23 in particular, Paul makes this parenthetical comment to him as he's writing this letter, telling him how he should be. And he says, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. So he's <laughs> yes. got something going on, you know, yeah, whether it's yeah. just a nervous disposition or he's got a I mean, perhaps he has some sort of stomach or digestive issue, but I think almost, you know, maybe, maybe just drink, drink a big swig of wine before you go out there. It, it, maybe it'll give you a little courage. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a the good point, point is, yeah. yeah, but the point is he's, he's, he's bolstering up Timothy and he continually does that, but this isn't the first time he's mentioned him back in mm. chapter four of first Corinthians. Yeah. He says, this is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, mm-hmm. to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Yeah. Now, we don't know if that means Timothy was going to accompany this letter or Timothy had previously been there and now he's he's coming back. Uh, probably a little bit of kind of, you know, maybe he has been there or maybe he will come in the letter. He doesn't know exactly if it'll arrive at the same time. Right. But regardless, we know because of the the attitudes of some of the Corinthian Christians that yes. they were very arrogant and proud and they certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't have been above, you know, giving it to Timothy. And it was right for him to tell them, Hey, treat him like you'd treat me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a little, little worrying, you know, please, you know, yeah. Treat him with respect, you know, as if I am, am here, you know, with you, you know, he's my representative. And so, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. I mean, kind of setting the stage for Timothy and, and that, you know, things would go well, I mean, while he's there. So, yeah, I, I think and, so. And, but Paul doesn't, uh, doesn't make it, does he? It's kind of like with the Roman situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. In second, right. Right. in second Corinthians, uh, chapter one, uh, starting with uh, verse 15, he mm-hmm. says, uh, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia. That's what he just said in his previous letter. Yeah. yeah. He goes, while I was vacillating when I wanted to do this, well, do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes or no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him always yes. Yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. So he's giving them some of this instruction, but he says in verse 23, (laughs) but I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrain from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. I decided I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. 
So he he is vacillating. He he struggles yeah. because he loves these people so much. Mm-hmm. You know, any any other organization besides the Church of God mm-hmm. would have discounted people who were so apparently um, troubled in their abilities to <laughs> keep the faith. Yeah, and yet yeah. it's out of love that he disciplines them, both yes. God and uh, and their spiritual father Paul here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So definitely. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we're up against a break. So let's take just a few moments, listen to these messages. Dear listener, don't go anywhere. In just a few moments when we return, Pastor Heimbuck and I will continue our discussion of the very last chapter of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16. We'll see you on the other side. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me today is the Reverend Joshua Heimbuck, pastor of Grace Lutheran Church in Ashland, Oregon. Now, Pastor, before the break, I think we were pretty much toward the end of talking about Paul's plans to travel and visit them, and and some of those plans had been disruptive by the time we get to the beginning of his next letter. But I think we're ready to move on to the next section, just some final instructions from Paul. Uh, do you have anything you want to say before we move into those? Uh, no, I I think, think we're good. All right, sounds good. So we're going to read verses 12 through 18. Now concerning, our, now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanas were the first converts in Achaia, that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanas and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence, for they have refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. All right, brother, concerning Apollos, we've heard about Apollos in 1 Corinthians when he was talking about the, the divisions and them following the different cults of personality. That was oh, very that yes. was weeks ago for us, but that was at the beginning yeah. of the book. That's right. Yeah, I think, I mean, I recall that in 1 Corinthians and, you know, you worship Paul or Apollos or, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So he definitely comes up and, uh, definitely a guy that's, uh, in the scriptures in various, uh, places and, uh, kind of looking back, I mean, I know there's kind of brief appearance, I think in Acts chapter 18, I think. And, uh, now I think it's like now a Jew named Apollos, native of Alexandria came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. So apparently he's pretty 
at least that's what it says in Acts about him. Um, just kind of get a little backstory, and then I think kind of comes up again uh, later on in Titus chapter three. Um, and yeah, so this is uh, you know, of course, one of the brothers um, proclaiming the gospel, and so and and Paul's mentioning him. He's he's strongly urging him to come and visit, but uh, it sounds like other other things have come along or other opportunities. And uh, so I guess he's not necessarily uh, able to, um, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely, he, he comes up a fair amount, um, certainly in the scriptures, Apollos. And, and uh, so I think there's kind of another, I'm just trying to think there's another place here, but anyway, so Apollos or uh, let's see. Well, I was going to say, what do you make of his hint saying it was not his will to come now? Uh, I think there's a variant that says yeah. it was not God's will for him to come, but it seems like it, it was more about him not wanting to come. Yeah, uh, that's what I gather, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, so there's that variant, but I think it it is kind of more has to do with with his will. And, and whatever, again, what does that mean as far as, you know, uh, why that's sort of the question I guess I asked is why, um, was it not his will, um, to come now? Um, so you just sort of wonder, okay, what's, what's going on there? Um, and I don't know, and does it go back to this whole <laughs> worship of Paul or Paul's or I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question, but you're right. That's. I don't, yeah, I don't know that the question is answerable, you know? I mean, yeah. I suppose it could be as much that he was just busy and he'll come when he can, or yeah. it could be, <laughs> hey, you know, Paul, Paul, I see, I think the other thing we must look at this and see is that Paul isn't hostile toward Apollos, right? No, it's no, our no. brother, Apollos. Yeah. So even though Paul was saying, oh, some of you say, I follow Paul, I follow Paulos, I follow yeah. Christ, there's this division. Yeah. Paul isn't. You know, he's not intimidated. He uh -oh. sees him as a brother. Yeah. But perhaps yeah. Apollos was like, I don't want to be showing up anytime soon since Paul addressed this issue. Maybe, you know, he just didn't want either those who were against him to rise up against him or those who followed him to, I don't know, maybe rise up against him. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah I guess we don't know, but it is interesting. Yeah. Like said, yeah, maybe it is linked to this whole thing, you know, earlier in First Corinthians. I mean, that's, yeah, we just don't know. And but it's just it's kind of an interesting how that's phrased, I think, too. Um, I think good to kind of look at that. Um, yeah, and then I think let's see, yeah, verse 13. Yeah, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, <laughs> let all that you do be done in in love. And again, another admonition for them. Um, you know, be careful and uh kind of watch yourselves and you know, remember what you have learned and, and what I have taught you and kind of that sense and, you know, act, act like men, be, be strong. Um, and so, yeah, again, let all that you do be done in love because as you know, I mean, in, in, in the Corinthian church, uh, just with all the conflicts and things that have happened over the last <laughs> few chapters, um, I think he, he wants to, again, can, he's addressed those things, but he wants them to continue to act in love, you know, for each other, to be watchful. Don't sort of slip back into that, the old mindset of how things were before. 
um, you know, be, be careful, watch yourselves. And I think we, we all have to do that. I mean, again, as sinful human beings, you know, the tendency to sort of slip back into our old ways of doing things is, is pretty easy to do. And, uh, so I think he's, he's definitely admonishing them to <laughs> not do that. Um, yeah. And he says, you know, I urge you brothers, you know, that the household of Stephanus were the first converts. Um, so he's kind of mentioning this first household and, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints, be subject to those as these and every fellow worker and laborer. And, and seems like it's kind of a similar thing with, you know, with Timothy that, um, be subject to them as well. They are fellow laborers. Maybe it's not necessarily me, but, um, you know, if they're a believer, a follower of Christ, um, then they are laboring alongside with you. It's, it's not like they're, they're against you, you know? And so he says, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaeus, but because they have made up for your absence, um, for they refresh my spirit as well as yours, give recognition to such people. Um, so kind of looking the peer as far as those individuals, um, uh, yeah, Jen. Okay. Yeah. So I think this goes, let's see, I guess Stephanus, at least looking at this was a Gentile convert, apparently a prominent member of the Corinthian church. Um, apparently as at least kind of what I see here in commentary, mm -hmm. I don't know if there's anything else that's not really mentioned about him, but, and then I think Fortunus, um, just kind of looking here at notes yeah again another member of the church in corinth um when he wrote his first letter i mean uh, other than that yeah i don't think we know anything else i don't know if, if you found anything else what i think is interesting when we hear these names though and we discussed this when we were back in romans because he there mm -hmm. mentions a lot of names of people that we mm -hmm. don't know yes and yes i i forgot which pastor was on at the time apologies to that brother but one of the things we can concluded, or at least came to the conclusion of, is that the beautiful thing about it is here are names who, except for their mention here in 1 Corinthians and maybe a spattering elsewhere, are lost to history. We don't know mm. anything else about them besides what we can infer from the fact that they were mentioned. Yeah. And yet, these simple people, ordinary people, are mentioned in the pages of Scripture, not because of their amazing things that they had done, but it's as a reminder that God knows who they are. Mm -hmm. We don't know the full story of Stephanus or Fortunatus or Achaicus, but God does, and yeah. he used them in that time and that place, and Paul certainly appreciated their service, and he mentions them. And, and we, our names are most likely, if not almost certainly, are going to be lost to history. 2,000 years from now, nobody's going to remember Pastor Heimbuck or Pastor Boo, <laughs> but but in this day and age, if God will be be uh, will deign to use us, then hopefully we can we can be of some impact to our neighbor, and that and that's what I think is beautiful. Sometimes when we run into names that we don't know a lot about, yeah, I like that. I mean, we don't know anything really about them, but but obviously they were they were important to Paul. And, you right. know, and their service to him was, and he recognized that and was much appreciated. And, and, and it's just like any other, you know, our members of our congregation. So, you know, and I can think of, I mean, many different people over the years that have just 
been such a blessing. I mean, to myself and my family and, uh, you know, again, probably won't be necessarily remembered either. I won't be, or you won't be, you know, as, as the centuries go by, but, but that's okay. You know, and, and yet, yeah, they're mentioned in scripture. So I think that is, that is still significant and they are, you know, important to Paul and they're important uh, to God. So, um, yeah, I do like, I do like the last half of that, that verse 18 though, it says, give recognition Mm. to such people. Yeah, Our church yeah. struggles with that sometimes, and usually not the church, but the people themselves struggle with it. You know, So yeah. someone does something, and maybe they contribute in some great way, and I'm not just talking about money, but maybe it is mm-hmm. money, or maybe they contribute in some uh, great gift of their talent or time, and you go, well, I want to thank you, even if it's something simple. I want to thank you in the bulletin. Oh, no, I don't want my name out there. I want it to all be anonymous. Yes. Uh, and that's fine. That's their choice. But don't yes. do that out of... Don't do that out of some sort of false piety. Let us recognize what God is doing through you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Paul, right here, and here is a sedes doctrina. Here's a seat of doctrine for how we should treat people who are doing well in the faith. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. No, no. Yeah. Just taking the time to recognize that and what they have done, I think is just so, so important. But yeah, I've run into many people like that. They just, they sort of, work behind the scenes you don't see them and and, but then certain things get done and it's like i know (laughs) i know exactly who did that right right and they don't really want to be recognized but it it sure is a blessing Um, well and i should and i should correct myself i know it's not always (laughs) false piety sometimes they just genuinely want to be behind the scenes but either way you know we're encouraged to celebrate those people Yeah. Because that then will encourage others. Either they might go, oh, wow, that's a way I could serve. Or they might yeah. just, you know, be very moved and appreciative. Exactly. Well, this is going back a few verses. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, at the very beginning of the month, we had LWML Sunday for most churches. It was October like 1st and 2nd or 2nd for if you're on Sunday. And yep. uh, I celebrated it just like uh, a lot of churches did. I ended up just going with the lectionary readings, but I know they supplied some readings if you should choose to use them. Mm-hmm. And this text is among those readings. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, particularly verses 13, I believe, and uh, 14. And I think that whoever chose this text was talking about, probably wanted to focus on verse 14 that says, let all you do be done in love. Mm-hmm. But I had yes. to, I, I found it personally amusing that the text that they selected for LWML, Lutheran Women's Missionary League Sunday, was the text, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. (laughs) And (laughs) um, so I had considered preaching a text, and I did not, but I had considered preaching a text on um, how the men should act like men because it frees up women to serve in their vocation. Uh, And I thought that would be nice and clever. I ended up preaching, I kind of went the easier route. I went up, ended up preaching on the lectionary text in the third year series, which happened to be on Lois and Eunice, uh, Timothy's uh, mom and grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in that, in that text, act like men and be strong, that's, that's important for these congregational leaders and all of the people of Corinth, or all the men anyway, because act like men is really just a colloquialism for take courage and Mm -hmm. take courage and be strong. 
is something that is repeated throughout the scriptures when it comes to how we should live out our faith. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Be courageous. Yeah. Be immovable. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, we now have uh, just a few more verses left, and we have come to the very end of this letter. The scroll has been completely unrolled. It's the last scribbles on the vellum or the animal skin at the very end. Verses 19 through 23. Here goes. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prissa, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So there's his greetings and a uh, sort of modified doxology a little bit at the end. Here he is giving them um, these final words before he either visits them, which is his expectations, or sends them another letter. So yes. these greetings are are wonderful, though. After all that, you know, I feel like we've been through over the past months, living uh, beside, putting our minds and living, figuratively speaking, beside the Corinthians and hearing these admonishments, and now he's sending us greetings because, wow, even at the end of all of this, you still consider us part of the church. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So looking, I guess, yeah, at this, um, so he's given these final greetings and which Paul does, um, fair amount in other letters. And, um, the one person, yeah, mentions a couple people again, by name, Aquila, uh, and, and Pris, Prisca and, Apparently, yeah, Aquila was, it looks like, yeah, there was first century Jew or husband of Prisca um, and an associate of Paul. Uh, apparently, Aquila, though, I mean, is in several New Testament texts. I mean, in Acts and Romans, um, Second Timothy, uh, so a number of places and, and basically worked in the leather work, working or tent making business, which Paul was uh, a part of. And. And so it mentions them here uh, together with the church in their house. Uh, so apparently the, the church in that place is meeting in the, in the house. Um, send hearty greetings of the Lord. All brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, and I guess the interesting thing I find about this text here is that um, Paul says he writes this with his own hand. Um, and, and which is different from other uh letters apparently where he had a, a scribe or someone else that was uh writing for him so he's actually uh he's doing this himself and so he's reading them with his own hand um and and so and then in kind of one sort of final thing too if anyone has no love for the lord let it be a curse <laughs> um the kind of one little final little admonition there but um it's kind of interesting but and then that whole thing with, you know, our Lord come, um, and it's, and it reminds me of, uh, in revelation, you know, with that prayer, come Lord Jesus, you know, that mm-hmm. the Lord would come. And, and I think it's still, I mean, the prayer of the church today that, uh, the Lord would come, 
um, you know, in our lifetime at some point and uh, uh, take us to be certainly home with him and restore all things and um, like kind of a similar thing. And then there's that, like I said, the apostolic reading, kind of a little, little bit different than others, but very similar. Um, and then just, you know, uh, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Um, so, you know, love Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Love Paul. <laughs> love Paul. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, yeah. in this greeting, you know, it again is one of those very simple things that we find in all of his letters because that would be traditional for a letter to have mm-hmm. some greetings at the end. Yeah. And it's, it, I think it's neat to put names. You know, we always talk mm-hmm. about how these wealthy people have these houses and they, the church meets in their house. Mm-hmm. And here's one of several examples in the Bible. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. what Aquila, 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 and Prisca is uh, Priscilla uh, elsewhere yeah, Priscilla. mentioned, like in Acts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, together with the church in their house. I, I love that. And then the greet one another with a holy kiss. Now mm. I'd like to stop on that for just a moment. Oh yeah. 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 Because we often think of, uh, we don't do this, this, no, it would be very, no. it would be very common in this time period to kiss people, man or female, regardless mm-hmm. of, of your sex, uh, you would kiss people as a kiss of greeting and friendship. And this was carried over into the church. Mm-hmm. And I think we've replaced that, especially in American culture. In Europe, this is still very common. Oh, yeah. In American yeah. culture, there is no uh, greeting one another with a holy kiss. Uh, and if there <laughs> yeah. were, it would have certainly gone out with uh, the coronavirus. Oh, so, yeah. That would yeah. have definitely gone out for sure. But, you know, I think that's. I think it's interesting just to sort of point that out, mm-hmm. that there are some cultural differences between us and them, but yeah. what it's to indicate is their unity with one another. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and right. And we do, of course, we do this in our congregation. Maybe you do this as well, Phil. I mean, we have that time where the, you know, the passing of the peace and, and usually after the confession, that time that, that, okay it's time for you to reconcile with one another, you know, forgive each other. And as, and to show that you, you shake hands or you, you know, um, and I think, I think that whole idea of, you know, sharing or giving that person a kiss or, you know, sharing the peace, I think kind of goes along with that. And, and I kind of have a funny, funny story, but, um, we were growing up, my sister had a friend and he was from Iran and one of the ways he would greet you know, people and was to give them a kiss. Um, yeah. And that's just, it was the way it was in their culture. And, and, and of course he went to do this to my dad my dad was kind of like, Whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) 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 You know, and, but you know, this is how we first met him and we didn't really know him very well, but then we got to know him really well. And, and, and he became, you know, a good family friend. And, um, and then, like my dad was like, okay, you know, I think he was, I remember, I think he was leaving or going away to school and he was saying goodbye. And my dad's like, oh, you know, yeah, it's okay. And I kind of learned, okay, this is part of his culture and, and, and that was okay. But in some cultures, yeah, that's, that's pretty common. And, and I think in this case here, and like you said, it's not something we do in America, <laughs> especially sort of with covid and other things but uh but now was, i have yeah. to ask though was this yeah. kiss like on the cheek like a european yeah. kind of like kiss on each cheek sort of thing yeah it was on the cheek i think he kissed him kind of okay. on both cheeks and yeah you know and that was just you know the way of greeting 
somebody in, and, and showing, uh, respect and while well, or saying hello. And, um, yeah, it, it's just, I kind of, kind of chuckle about it <laughs> Yeah, for sure. years later, but it was, it was different. I mean, at first, but then it's like, oh, okay. Um, this is just, this is how he does things in his culture. And, uh, for him to do that, you know, it's just a sign of, you know, respect and, and greeting and that's, you know, perfectly normal. So, yeah. Well, as you already pointed out, it's also neat that Paul took the pen from whoever was inscribing this for him mm-hmm. to write, you know, at least this one section, this one word, or maybe the, maybe this one paragraph or whatever, but we know at least a small part of this, he writes with his own hand. Yes, um, yes, which would be amazing if we had the original autographs of these texts, so that we could see Paul's handwriting, uh, just for relic value. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. but he does this <laughs> elsewhere, as you also pointed out. He does this elsewhere um, in Colossians. He says, "I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand." Yes. Um, in Second Thessalonians, he says the same thing, word for word. Yeah. Um, in Galatians, um, it's a little different. He yes. says, see with what large letters I'm writing you with my own hand. There he's a little, he's a little <laughs> hocked off and he's wanting them to yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And then in Philemon, he, he does the same thing. And there it was more of a pledge to repay any debt that uh, Onesimus owed to Philemon. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, we, f- we forget, I think, because we have these English Bibles and we don't think about how they transmitted language back then. He would, sometimes we forget that epistles are our letters. They're not just part of a big book. No. And so, yeah, he would have had a scribe. And as we discussed at the think at the very top, very, very beginning, when we uh, started this topic that Paul may have had some eyesight issues or some other Mm -hmm. issues, but regardless of what they were, he didn't write his own letters. So when he takes up his pen at the end, it's a, it's a very neat, personal, personal touch. And then our Lord come. Um, that is uh, a transliteration of Greek, uh, Maranatha. Mm, right. Um, yes. And that uh, I think is just you know, it's like it's like a saying, probably something that they would have been, uh, something that had been common to them. Like we might say, "Amen" or uh, "Lord Amen. have mercy" yes. or something like Lord that. Come. Yeah. They're going yeah. around saying, "Oh, the Lord come." And that's that's what he says. And as you as you rightfully pointed out, that's the prayer of our church. Yes, you know, the, yes. The, the Bible, the last, the way we've assembled the Bible anyway, the last book is Revelation with that same message, mm-hmm. you know, come Lord Jesus. Yes. Well, we're, we're toward the end of our time together. Is there anything else you want to throw out there before we finish up today? I, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you, you know, for those listeners at home, you know, you have to understand that, you know, it's, it takes some work to dig out, you know, God's teaching from such a practical and fairly simple text. But yes. isn't it amazing um, what we can see and find when we dig in? Uh, so I commend Pastor Heimbach for taking on this text and I thank him for uh, joining us this morning. Pastor, thank you for being on the show. I look forward to having you back. Yeah, thanks. It's been great to be here. And thank you too, dear listener, for tuning in to Thy Strong Word. I've been your host, Pastor Phil Boo. Tune in tomorrow, Friday, as we begin a brand new topic. We are diving into the Old Testament book of Daniel. 
We'll also dip into the listener mailbag, so listen for that. Until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray, Father, keep us in thy strong word.